This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right. Let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. I want to be like my dad, just a migrant. In a creeper van? No offense, Mr. W. You know I love you. He bought a really nice van and you know it. It has a bathroom Wait, in it. I I didn't know. No, I don't know that. Why would I know that? I told you that. He bought a really You nice used to van. call it a creeper van. Well, it was a creeper van. He replaced okay. it. He upgraded. It's only okay when you say it. <laughs> I didn't know. Major shouts to you and your bathroom van, Mr. W. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds lovely. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real-life creeps, from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. Okay, I have several things to say to you. I am sure that you do. I've been thinking long and hard about how you say that the Fast and the Furious doesn't hold up because of the special effects from Correct. 1997. Okay. Correct. We can't be judging old movies on their special effects of the time. Is this because I talked about Jumanji too? No, I've been thinking about it since then. It's been bothering me. It's been just <laughs> living in the back of my brain. <laughs> I'm living in there rent free. You brought it up again, and I had to address it. <laughs> because I just... Because now she's trying to say that Hocus Pocus doesn't hold up. And I'm like, girl, you can't be judging it based on how Binks isn't really that transparent. <laughs> Binks. <laughs> just the whole... No, I can't. I will never recover from this if I go on record. I just don't know, like, this whole story holds up. People are truly going to come for my neck. I know. I know. Maybe I just what? need to get in the mood. Here's my problem. <laughs> I would like to go on record telling everyone to calm the hell down. It's not fall yet, people. Okay? I need everyone's, like, Christian girl autumn to chill. Quit trying to steal my summer. Life doesn't happen biweekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, -N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. All right, Mogab. Today, I got a story for you. You usually do, yes. And I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. We're just going to dive right in. Okay. We're just going to jump in. 
Also, this story that I'm not going to tell you what it's about until I start telling it to you is going to be a two-parter. So, Boo! Get ready for that. But we are going to drop part two at the same time on our Patreon. So, Oh, yay! Yay. <laughs> we got to tell people that they want more of us. That they want more of us and they can get it. You can get it. On our Patreon. So hop on over to our Patreon dot com slash true crime creepers and sign up we have a five dollar level that gets you a bonus episode every single month a full length bonus episode and a shout out on the podcast so you can be famous adjacent famous adjacent the seven dollar level gets you all of that plus the mini creeps which are mini sods that you really don't want to miss you really don't it might be our best work ever and it also gets you a sticker and a thank you card with our autographs. And then the $10 level gets you all of that plus 10% off merch. 10%. Please join our Patreon. <laughs> Before we get into this week's episode, the giant thanks to Sabrina Eads, who is our research assistant. She really helped me out this week. And by help me, I mean research this episode for me. Thank you so much. What are you even doing anymore? <laughs> Have you read a what book? What a big help. Sabrina read the book this week. I just read her <gasps> notes. <laughs> oh, my God. Turn in your mic and your laptop. <laughs> the book that she read was called A Tangled Web by Leslie Rule. So you remember Anne Rule that wrote the yeah. book on Diana Downs? Leslie's her daughter. So it was hers. Oh, that's cool. Speaking of mothers and daughters, I don't mm -hmm. want to get us off track, but I do have a Louise story. I saw her this weekend, and I just <gasps> oh, have to right. tell you a quick you little thing that happened Please. for everyone. We're here we for were the Louise concept. For those who are new here, Louise is what Mogab refers to her mother by. Sometimes Linda, sometimes Linda from Laporte, mm -hmm. sometimes Louise. You might hear it always. So mm -hmm. just, you know, for the newbies. Yes. And yeah, the content is evergreen and always available. <laughs> I saw her this weekend. I was traveled down to Georgia where she resides currently. And my brother is also there, which we are not cut from the same cloth, but very different <laughs> humans, all of us. We had not been out to eat in over like 15 years together. We've just not been in the same place. So we decided, what the heck, let's take my boyfriend and the three of us went out to eat at an Italian restaurant. Wait. Three of you or four of you? Four you of your us. Brothers? Okay. Yes. So me, RP, W, my mom, and my brother. We sit down. <laughs> I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. The waiter comes over and she immediately, he takes our drink orders. I order a sangria, obviously. And mm. water, Coke, and he gets my mom. And she goes, let me ask you something. You guys got a, she just looks right at him and goes, a skinny bitch and like hollers this in the restaurant. And I was like, oh my God, what? And the, the waiter just looks at her and is like, what are you, what? And my brother's like, mom, what are you trying to work? He's mortified. He has not been as exposed to all of this, you know, sure. as I have right. living yeah. with her in Texas. And she was like, yeah, it's just a vodka with soda and a lime. And I was like, okay, then that's called a vodka soda. <laughs> With you a lime. have to yell skinny bitch in this family dining establishment. Also, yes, everybody has vodka soda, Louise. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that was only the beginning. It's not it, an um, uncommon cocktail. <laughs> correct. And it didn't need to be, you know, yelled at the waiter at like a million decibels. That was the very first five minutes. It only went downhill from there. Oh, God. So To be a fly on that wall. I don't want to actually yeah. have dinner with you. I just want uh -uh. to observe. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that was just the drink order. So anyway, I know you <laughs> missed all of that this weekend. That happened. It's the most entertaining two hours of my life, basically. Yeah. I'm going to need you to, like, keep me abreast of these situations, you know? I know. Yes. The waiter at the end of the night when he brought the check over, he said, I'm going out to the bar later and I'm definitely retelling the story. <laughs> It's exactly what he said. <laughs> so. He's got the Louise content, too. <laughs> Glad I could start with me telling you that story. Me, too. Yeah, that's great. <laughs>
In the summer of 2012, Dave Krupa had recently ended a 12-year relationship and was living in a small apartment in Omaha, Nebraska. His ex, Amy, had gotten most of their friends in the breakup, so the only people he spent any time with were the two kids he shared with Amy. He was starting to feel pretty lonely, so he decided to boot up the old internet machine and get on a dating website. And out of the many, many, many options to choose from, he decided Plenty of Fish was the one for him. Oh, I love <laughs> this journey for me. I know nothing about this story, but the direction it is headed in, I am here for. Turns out there actually was plenty of fish for Dave. And he was soon <laughs> chatting with several women. He's out there casting the widest net. The widest net, just scooping them all back. One such woman was named Liz, who seemed great. Dave explained he'd just gotten out of a long-term relationship and he wasn't looking for anything serious, and Liz seemed to be on the same page. He really liked her, she was pretty, she was lively, she was a lot of fun, and they started to spend a lot of time together. But after a couple months, it seemed like the relationship had run its course, you know, they were seeing each other less and less, and Dave felt like he wanted someone that challenged him more intellectually. <laughs> okay, yes, I'm following. Wait, I'm sorry, did you say they were both from... Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska. She lives in Council Bluffs, which okay. might be in Iowa. I think Council Bluffs is in Iowa, but I think they're close together. Let me just double check that. Yeah, they're 10 minutes apart. So yes, just there's a state line there. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So I think he lived in Council Bluffs. They just call it Omaha, even though it's a different state. This whole different state stuff, it really, it's wild to me. Everything's bigger in Texas. That's just <sighs> the way it is around here. <laughs> All right, Bubba, put it away. <laughs> he was upfront with Liz about what he was doing. He wasn't trying to rub her face in it or anything, but he was clear to her that he was dating other women. But we know human beings are really great at reading what they want to out of mixed messages like that. And Liz seemed to think she could get Dave to change his mind. She started coming over to his house right after work on nights that she knew Dave had a date later. He encouraged Liz to date other people, but she always said that she had morals and she wouldn't feel right dating multiple men. Oh, women love that challenge. Right. Dave didn't want to hurt her feelings. They had great physical chemistry, and aside from her clinginess, he liked her. But she was very demanding of his time. She even had a problem with how much time Dave spent with his kids, because she didn't like the idea of him spending any time with his ex, Amy. Eventually, they fell into a predictable pattern. Dave would become so fed up with Liz that he'd cut off contact with her, but a couple weeks later, she'd call him and ask for his help or something. <laughs> he'd come over to help her, she'd seduce him, and the pattern would repeat. <laughs> this would end up going on for years, pretty much. <gasps> years? Yeah. Because that escalated. <laughs> because Dave figured it was less cruel than cutting her off completely. Which, for the record, it is not less cruel. But also, Liz, honey, get a grip. There are plenty of fish out there. Liz, honey, get some friends. This is where I get mad. Like, where are the friends at? I don't think they exist. They have no friends. Well, people pay for your friends, okay? Because you'll get good ones and they'll help you out and it's fine. And they'll make you start a podcast. Yeah. Oof. Well, maybe don't do this. <laughs> Dave was a manager at Hyatt Tire. And recently, a woman named Carrie Farver had come in to get some repairs done to her car. Dave wanted to ask her out right then, but he thought that it would be unprofessional, and he is very, very correct. Yeah. But it must have been meant to be because it turns out Carrie was also on Plenty of Fish. And when her profile popped up, Dave messaged her. And when Carrie brought her car back to the shop for a minor issue, they exchanged numbers. I have a question. I just don't know. Is Plenty of Fish more of a dating site for the older demographic? And is it an app or just like a site, like a match.com, like a free match.com? Just slide in my DMs, people. Let me know. I'd love to hear your personal Plenty of Fish takes. Yeah. Tell us your stories. What are your Plenty <laughs> of Fish stories? Sure your POF. He took Carrie out for their first date, and she seemed like exactly what Dave was looking for. She was incredibly smart. She actually was like an undocumented genius. She had an IQ of something like 160, but she was also fun and outgoing. And during the date, things were going great until Liz started calling him over and over and over again. And 
Eventually, Dave answered, wondering if there was some kind of emergency, but there wasn't. There never is. (laughs) She just said she wanted some belongings back, and she didn't want to wait. But Dave told her that he was on a date, and she'd have to wait. Dave must have seriously underestimated Liz, because he invited Carrie back to his place after the date, and Liz showed up, demanding her stuff. Carrie didn't want to get in the middle, so she left, and Liz said Carrie called her a bitch on the way out. After Liz got her stuff and left, Dave called Carrie, who invited him to come over to her place. Oh, dang. (laughs) The date was going really well. Yeah, I mean, they're just like going to make it happen, you know. (laughs) She lived 45 minutes away in Macedonia, Iowa, with her 14-year-old son, Maxwell, who was staying with his grandparents for the night. So Carrie and Dave continued their date at her place, and they got around to talking about expectations for the relationship, and it turns out they both wanted the same thing, something casual. They wanted to have fun, but still keep their freedom, and Dave felt like he'd hit the jackpot. They started seeing each other almost every day for the next two weeks, even though a lot of Carrie's time was getting taken up by a big project she was working on at work. But Dave happened to live right by her office, and he invited her to stay with him for a few days while she finished up the project so that she didn't have to drive the 45 minutes to and from work every day. That's thoughtful, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't sound so casual, but... (laughs) Right? The day before she planned to stay with Dave, on November 12th, Carrie came out from her house in Macedonia to find that her car had been vandalized. Oh, I wonder who did that. (laughs) Someone had spray-painted silver paint scribbles all over the hood, down the side of the front fender, and they'd keyed the side of the car. I feel like I've watched this in a movie before. Yeah. It's called Fifty Shades of Grey. She and her son Max spent six hours trying to scrub it all off. She brought Max to stay with her parents, and she headed to Dave's, where she posted about the whole ordeal to her Facebook page. Oh, God. (laughs) The next morning on November 13th, this is 2012, Dave left at 625 to go to work and Carrie was already up on her computer working when he left. She worked as a code writer and she'd called in an update on some code at 615 that morning, which she was planning on verifying when she got into the office. Only she never showed up. (gasps) That morning, Carrie received a Facebook friend request from someone named Sam Carter, whose profile said he lived in Macedonia. She didn't think she knew him, but Macedonia was so small that everyone knew everyone. It was the kind of town with a bunch of historic buildings and a few shops, and that's about it. Most families had been there for generations, so it was unlikely that there would be someone that she didn't know. She also noticed that Sam had spelled Macedonia wrong. Ugh, rookie mistake. Yeah, he'd spelled it as Macedonia with an E. And this was especially strange since the week before she'd gotten a friend request from someone named Amber Mildo, who also claimed to be from Macedonia and also spelled it with an E. Amber had posted on her Facebook page that she'd been partying it up in Macedonia, which was ridiculous to anyone who'd ever stepped foot in Macedonia. It was not a place where anyone partied it up. (laughs) Carrie thought that profile looked fake, so she declined the friend invitation. But she sent Sam a message just in case, asking if she knew him. Carrie logged out of Facebook at 6.42 a.m. on her laptop, and after that, her behavior turned increasingly bizarre, until it became downright terrifying. Oh, no. She logged onto Facebook on her phone at 9.54 a.m. and accepted Sam Carter's friend request and then unfriended Dave Krupa. But 20 minutes later, she texted Dave, and asked him if they should move in together. What? This was so far out of left field to Dave, he thought Carrie had been pretty clear that they were on the same page about having a casual relationship, so he texted back saying no, and she texted back angrily, saying, fine, I don't want you anyway, and told him to never contact her again. Oh boy. This seemed so out of character, but he was busy at work, so he put his phone down and figured he'd deal with it after he got off work. It's not her. It's not her. Shh, Mogab. Ah, I'm getting really good at this. <laughs> but when he got back to his apartment, Carrie wasn't there and all her stuff was gone. Seemed like she'd left and taken all the drama with her and Dave was pretty relieved he wasn't going to have to deal with it. 
But Dave wasn't the only one getting strange texts from Carrie. Her mom, Nancy, usually spoke with Carrie every day. But on that day, she got a weird text from her saying she was planning on taking a new job. This surprised Nancy because Carrie had always told her she really liked her job. The next day, Sam Carter messaged Carrie back on Facebook and told her that they knew each other from college. And Carrie wrote back, I remember you. She also went back to that post about the vandalism to her car and commented on the post that it had turned out to just be kids that had vandalized her car. Oh, sure. I'm all over this. I'm all over it. (laughs) Carrie's family had a big weekend coming up. Carrie's half-brother John was getting married, and they'd moved up the wedding date because Carrie's father, Dennis, was dying of cancer, and he didn't have much longer. They wanted to make sure that he'd be able to come to the wedding. But Carrie didn't show up to the wedding or to pick up her son, who had served as an usher in the wedding, and she wasn't responding to texts. She also missed her best friend's baby shower, which she was supposed to host. Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nancy, her mother, knew something had happened to Carrie, and she went to the police to submit a missing persons report. But because Carrie was an adult who has a right to disappear, the Pottawatomie County Sheriff's Office didn't seem too concerned about finding her. Way to turtle talk that. That was great. Yep. But Pottawatomie. But they did <laughs> But they did process the missing persons report, which meant that she'd be on file with the National Crime Information Center and would immediately show up as a missing person if she were to get stopped by an officer. And it can be really frustrating when you hear about a story of like a kidnapping where you know it's a kidnapping and the police don't take it seriously at first. But 80% of missing children and 75% of missing adults are found or return within 24 hours. And after a week, only 2% of children and 5% of adults are still missing, which is why missing persons cases are often not taken seriously early on without mitigating circumstances. And that's unfortunate because those first few hours can be incredibly important if it is like one of these 2%, 5% of the cases. Yeah. Did you see the thing right down the street from me where a guy pulled a kid off the bike, like right in front of people, and then the police followed him and grabbed the kid out of the car? No. Did you see that? Yeah. No, I saw. There's like dash cam footage of it, and it was like right down the street. Oh, my God. Yeah. The video is like crazy because you see the cops walk up to the car. The car is like pulled into a driveway and they open the passenger door and this little girl is screaming, like reaching for the police. I want my daddy. It is truly heartbreaking. It's wild. Like she was riding a bike in her front yard, like right on the sidewalk. Yeah. And this car pulled up and grabbed her and put her in the car. <gasps> and neighbors saw and called the police and were like following the car with the police on the phone with the license plate. It's wild. In broad daylight. My jaw is on the floor. That is crazy. I I thought you were going to talk about the video of the kid. Did you see the video of the kid? I think she might have been getting pulled off. And honestly, I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl now. I think it was a girl. And I think she was riding her bike and she got pulled off the bike and then fought him back. Yes. And got away. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. It's so important. That first like few hours. And it's so frustrating when you know that they didn't disappear on their own. Or have a right. I mean, thinking about last week's episode, Mm -hmm. like they didn't just disappear on their own. But because they're an adult, that's how it gets, you know. Right. I mean, we're talking nationwide, like 500,000 missing persons cases a year, which actually is almost half of what it was like 30 years ago. I mean, we've gone down substantially over the last like several decades, which is great. But 95% of those are solved within a week. And so it would just be impossible to put enough manpower into every single missing persons case. Also, I hate it when they're like, the kid probably just ran away. And I'm like, then you need to double find them. They're in danger. Like Double find them. (laughs) Yes. We're not just like dismissing runaways because they chose to run away. They're a child. Go find them. Answer for your crimes. That means their home life probably isn't great, so double find them. Or you know what? Sometimes it just means they're mad at their mom and they need to go to the Randalls across the street for a little bit. Oh, my God. I miss Randalls so bad. (laughs) Actually, it wasn't Randalls. It was Safeway. Wait, you ran off to a grocery store? Yeah. 
I was like eight and my mom wanted me to play outside. I did not want to play outside. I'm an indoor yeah, kid. Never okay? played outside. Like, I was, I, yeah, I'm an indoor person. <laughs> so outside. I said, fine, I'll go play outside. So I ran away to Safeway across the street. I got bored very quickly. I came home. She obviously just thought I was playing outside. So nobody noticed <laughs> that I'd run away. And I was even more upset. <laughs> That's your runaway story. Uh, that, that is, is tragic. That's my runaway story. Oh, my God. I do apple fritter from Randall's all-time best. Carrie's behavior became more erratic. She started sending hostile, nonsensical texts to Dave, full of misspellings and grammar errors, just one after another, after another, after another. Dave said he thinks he got over a 1,000 in one day. But he doesn't know she's considered missing yet because her no. mom doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't know. Dave and Carrie had only dated for 14 days. And so he's thinking he dodged a major bullet. All yeah. the messages were abusive and vulgar, calling him names. And a lot of the messages seemed focused on Liz, of all people. Oh, shocker. Carrie was sending Dave texts calling Liz a fat, ugly whore, calling him a dick saying she can't see how anyone would want to be with him unless they're a whore like Liz. Carrie had always come across as confident and intelligent, and these texts seemed so unlike her. It got so bad, Dave thought about going to the police. Liz was also getting texts from Carrie. She messaged Dave asking how his crazy ex had gotten her phone number, email address, knew where she lived. She said Carrie was sending her horrible texts and that she'd even broken into her house. Liz, come off it. She'd written whore from Dave on her garage wall and <laughs> stolen some old checks from a closed account that she'd had in her garage. Oh, she was no. really upset at being dragged into his mess. Oh, surely. <laughs> I am too. Why am I here? <laughs> Dave never expected to see Liz again, but he felt guilty that she was being affected by all this and he agreed to meet up with her. Liz ended up reporting the theft and vandalism to the Omaha Police Department, and Carrie later emailed both Dave and Liz and took credit for the vandalism and the theft. So mm-hmm. she'd definitely done it. Yeah, definitely done it. She'd confessed and everything. <laughs> Carrie never returned to her job, but her supervisors received texts saying that she was recommending someone named Shanna Gallyard take over her position. The whole thing was so weird, and the supervisors did not take Carrie's recommendation of Shanna Gallier. A couple days later, Carrie texted Nancy a picture of one of the checks that Liz said had been stolen. It was for $5,000, and it was signed by Shanna Gallier. And the text said that she'd gotten the money from selling her bedroom set. But her bedroom set was actually all pieces that Carrie had painstakingly chosen piece by piece. It wasn't like a set. And it Uh included a piece of antique furniture that their family had handed down over at least three generations that she cherished. But she was asking Nancy to allow the buyer to pick up all the furniture with the image of the check as proof that it had been paid for. And Nancy was like, no. She said she'd need to hear Carrie's voice before she released the bedroom furniture. So, you know, like last week we got old Jeff that's like, sure, cremate my wife's body. No problem. $1,500. Nancy's like, no, I'm going to need some more evidence. Thank you. And the texts that came back were full of rage and bad grammar, calling her (sighs) a terrible mother. The rage was very unlike Carrie, but Nancy was more alarmed at the grammar and spelling mistakes because she knew Carrie's writing and that was not it. She knew it was not her daughter texting her. Nancy reported it to the sheriff's office who took down the information but still seemed to think that Nancy was overreacting. Ugh. I know. Nancy told the sheriff's deputy that Carrie had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and anxiety, but that she left her medication behind. And the sheriff's office took this as an easy explanation for her strange behavior. I was just about to say that feels like maybe Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have disclosed that. Maybe don't tell them that. Yeah. And they took it as further justification to not look into it. She could still be alive. She's just having a mental breakdown. Which, in my opinion, again, Go get means, her. <laughs> yes, she's more vulnerable and needs more help. Not that we should continue to ignore it. 
But like many mental health issues, bipolar disorder is diagnosed based on self-reported symptoms. It's not like an actual physical test that can definitively say whether or not it's bipolar. And Carrie was seen by several doctors and only one of them labeled her with bipolar. I'm labeling people like that all the time. Yeah. And not that it even matters. Like if you have bipolar disorder, people should still look for you if you're missing. But Nancy thought that a man named Alec was behind it all. He'd stalked Carrie in the past, and she was worried that he'd come back and kidnapped her. They hadn't heard from him since 2008 when he broke into Carrie's garage and she'd gotten a restraining order against him. But she thought maybe it was possible that he'd come back. She also started wondering about the new man Carrie had been dating, Dave. Finally, on November 19th, a few days after that check had been texted to Nancy and almost a week since anyone had seen Carrie, Deputy Randall Phillips was assigned to her case. He and a team began to run down leads to find Carrie. He called and texted her with no response. He visited Carrie's workplace, and the supervisor said Carrie had last been at the office November 12th, and nothing had seemed wrong, but that was the last time anyone there had seen her. Phillips had started the work to get cell phone data, and he'd searched the area in Omaha so that they were able to narrow down the location of Carrie's phone, but they couldn't find her or her car, and her cell phone seemed to keep moving. He reviewed the other clues, and he learned the signer of the check was Shanna Gallier. He found an address for her and went there, leaving a message when no one answered the door. But the person who called him back, however, said she went by... Liz, (gasps) and explained that she and Carrie had both dated Dave Krupa. Liz told the officer that Carrie had stolen her checks and had been harassing her, and Phillips worried that they were dealing with a stalker situation. Oh, I am getting furious. (laughs) I know. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about at all. This is clearly a stalker situation, (laughs) and they should be seriously. Just furious. Doing nothing swiftly today. Yes. Phillips also visited Dave at work and explained that Carrie was missing. Dave was surprised to hear that, and he told Phillips that he'd also like to file a report on Carrie. He showed him all of the abusive texts that Carrie had been sending him, and he said he wanted the police to find her and make her leave him alone. But he agreed to call Phillips if he saw Carrie again. Later, Phillips received a message from Carrie's number asking him to leave Dave out of it. She said she was fine. Her mother was overreacting. It's just that she was leaving the state. Phillips let her know that running away wouldn't solve her problem. If she was stopped anywhere in the U.S., she'd be held until the matter was resolved. Carrie said she only wanted one person to go away for destroying everything for her. And Phillips took this as a threat to Liz. So he warned her, telling her that she might want to file a report with the Omaha Police Department to protect herself from Carrie. I am frustrated at everyone's lack of, like, common sense. It makes me think of when you were like, I should have known that this text wasn't from you because I didn't use an emoji or emoticon or whatever. It's like the Britney Spears thing. How Mm -hmm. are people not putting together that this is not Carrie? It doesn't sound like her. She's not using the same language. She hasn't talked to anyone on the phone. I think it's because her mom is saying that. Her mom knows it's not Carrie. But Dave only knew her for two weeks, and I think he just thinks she went nuts. And men are so unobservant. That's right. I said it. (laughs) Prove me wrong. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go on record and just also say that I am the most unobservant person in, like, the entire world. You've got to, like, literally spell things out for me to, like, pick up on them. Mm -hmm. you got a lot of man tendencies. (laughs) I, yeah. I kind of do. Yeah, (laughs) I know. That's accurate. That's true. But I like pretty things, too. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. 
My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Creepers. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine, but the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. Dave continued to be harassed by tons of messages. He nearly got fired at work because of all the hang-up calls he was getting. (laughs) And his ex, Amy, also started getting multiple texts a day, warning her to leave Dave alone. This man better be a damn fox. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I mean... Is he a George Clooney lookalike? No. No? He's... No. No George Clooney? No. No George Strait? No George Bush? I'm I'm not interested. I'm sure he's a particularly nice fella, but... No, I think he sounds like an idiot. (laughs) Dave started worrying about his kids and Amy was pretty upset that Dave had invited this crazy person into their lives Yeah, I can understand that I would be pretty annoyed also like Amy Carrie was still sending threatening messages to Liz who would text Dave any developments in the situation this whole thing ended up bringing Liz and Dave closer together and they started dating again (gasps) what Absolutely mm-hmm. not. I need a flow chart. <laughs> I did think about making you a flow chart for next time. Great. There's you. a lot of people in next time. Oh, no. Yeah, please do that. But the harassment of both Liz and Dave continued. Sometimes when they were together, they'd receive a message at the same time. <gasps> and Liz's phone would be across the room in her purse. So I don't what? know what you've been thinking this whole time, but it, she obviously couldn't have been sending the messages. Stop. What do you yeah. mean? I mean, her phone was across Ooh. the room in her purse. She's, no. This whole time. She's, I'll figure this out. She's leaving her phone with someone and getting them to do it. That would be crazy. Or bitches got an iPad. I don't know. <laughs> Either one. Day after day, Dave continued to receive multiple abusive emails and texts from Carrie. He usually didn't respond, but once he asked her why she suddenly started acting like this, but he only got more vulgarity and abuse. He tried blocking the numbers, but that didn't help. Carrie would just create new email addresses and call from new phone numbers. 
He even changed his number and only gave it to a few people, and the messages still continued. Liz and Amy told him that they were having the same problem. Liz had written Carrie back telling her that if she wanted Dave that bad, she could have him. She just wanted to be left alone. But the messages kept coming, and Liz and Dave's bond strengthened. But just a reminder, a bond over shared trauma should not be mistaken for compatibility. Thank you for that. But you should do your birth charts and astrology compatibility because we did that and that is very on point and very fun. Okay, get on that for me, please. Thank you. I will do that. And the cats, but I don't know their exact birthday because they <laughs> I am were... <laughs> not pulling your cat's astro chart. I am not. They were born on the same day, but I don't know what day that was. But you got to know times, too. It's all based on times, where the different planets were. I got real into it. <laughs> In case you were wondering, me and Russell are 100% compatible. Duh. Cats, birth charts, I'm dead. On November 21st and 26th of 2012, Carrie's account on Facebook had new activity. She made posts about moving to Kansas for a new job, wanting her son to come with her, and posted about how she and Dave were a couple. The posts scared Nancy. She thought someone might come and try to take Max, so she took steps to become Max's legal guardian. And she also obtained a conservatorship over Carrie's finances oh. so that she could oh. file her taxes, pay her bills, and manage her accounts. This would be Don't a time when a conservatorship one. would be necessary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This whole time, Nancy was holding out hope that Carrie really was just having a mental break. And that she was still alive and she'd be able to get her help. But deep down, she knew that wasn't the case. Nancy got an alert from Carrie's bank about a strange transaction at Walmart and the dollar store. The bank froze oh. Carrie's card. <laughs> I don't know what you have to do to get an alert when you use your card at the dollar store. but <laughs> The bank froze Carrie's card after Carrie didn't respond to the alert. And Nancy turned all that information over to the police. She then went to Carrie's house and closed it up, turned off the utilities, threw away any spoiled food, and made sure that it was weatherproofed and okay to last out the winter. I feel like that's kind of odd. I mean, I guess not. I don't know. It just feels odd. Like, I get why you would do that, but it just feels very, like... Right. I started thinking about it because I'm like, man, when people go missing, like... What point do you call it? Well, yeah. And at what point do you start like taking over their finances and making sure their taxes get paid? And like when do you like sell the house or sell the car? Like, I, ugh, ooh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, really, when do you sell the car and the house and all of that? Yeah, for sure. I guess when you just can't keep paying for it. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. It is weird. The next message Nancy got from Carrie said that her car was missing. Nancy and her husband Dennis's names were on the car and they paid for the insurance, so they reported the car as stolen. Nancy was hoping that it would lead them to Carrie. At this point, she hadn't told Dennis that Carrie was missing. He was dying of cancer and Nancy didn't know what the information would do to him. But Dennis was smarter than that. He knew his daughter wouldn't abandon him at a time like this. So another family member broke the news as gently as possible. Four days later, Dennis died. <gasps> I know. Max's 15th birthday was three days after that, on December 10th, 2012. <sighs> Neither event received any recognition from Carrie. And she didn't show up to Dennis's funeral on December 12th. Okay. Hello. She's not alive anymore. I don't know what you're talking about. She's sending all of these texts to everybody. <laughs> all these messages that people are getting. Don't educate and inform me, and then 50 episodes <laughs> later, basically, expect me to still be naive. Not a true crime newbie anymore. I've come into my own. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember when, it, when we had to go through the entire episode of uh, Goose Creek for you to realize that it was all fake? <laughs> yeah. Or Lululemon. I think about that one. I'm like, that yeah. really got me. I thought about trying a lot harder in kind of disguising it. And I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about right now because Carrie's obviously alive and sending all these obviously. messages. Obviously. But uh, I thought about writing it in a different way a couple times and I was like, she's going to know. You just can't. <laughs> you just can't. 
She's going to know. I can sniff crazy girls. (laughs) Yeah. Not long after he died, Dennis showed up in Nancy's dream and told her that Carrie was there with him. When Nancy woke up, she knew that the dream was Oh, I'm sorry. Don't you dare glaze over that. I know. What? I know. So when I know. When Nancy woke up, she knew that the dream was confirming her worst fears that something terrible had happened to Carrie, but she still couldn't quite accept it. She needed answers. She's still getting all these texts from Carrie, her daughter that's obviously still alive. Yeah, and obviously don't go to the police and be like, in my dreams, my dead, you know. They won't take that as evidence. Yeah. Mm -mm. In late December, Dave got an email from Carrie saying she was pregnant with his baby. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) This again? This again? We're here with this? Did they at least meet in person? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Okay, you want to know something even funnier? Carrie had had a hysterectomy, and Dave had had a vasectomy. (laughs) It's literally impossible. But she also emailed Liz and asked her to step out of the picture so that she and Dave could raise their child together. Oh, obviously. In early January, Carrie messaged Nancy on Facebook, apologizing for missing her father's funeral. Nancy, again, insisted that Carrie call her, but all she got back was some nonsense about Carrie moving on with someone new. But I guess that's good news. You know, Carrie's alive. She's moving on with someone new. And just um, farewell, you know? This is the face of me not buying <laughs> Later that evening, Carrie's Facebook had a post saying that she and Dave were engaged with a photo of an engagement ring on a hand. Wait, who is engaged? Carrie and Dave. She's legitimately missing and has not seen Dave, though. She's not missing. She's been texting all of them, telling them exactly what she is. She's moving to Kansas and moving on with someone new. But except then she's engaged to Dave. She got engaged. Okay, yeah. All right, yeah. That's what I meant. And also, the hand that the ring was on in the picture, Nancy knew it was not Carrie's hand. So she called to report this to the police, who then called Dave to ask if he'd gotten engaged to the missing person. (laughs) And Dave assured them he was single and intended to stay that way. Yeah, I definitely would too, bro. Yeah. At 1230 a.m. on January 6th, Dave received a strange message saying, you will do exactly as I say and I will let her go. With a photo of a woman tied up in the trunk of a car. It was a text? Yeah, it was a text. He tried to make out who the person was in the trunk. It was hard to tell until he got a message confirming that it was Liz tied up in this trunk. He was instructed to break up with Liz via voicemail and then kidnapped Liz would play it to verify that he'd followed orders. Wait, he was supposed to break up with Liz? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, his kidnapper said, you have to break up with Liz. If not, Liz would die locked in a trunk where no one could find her. It's a very serious situation. Mm -hmm. Dave didn't respond to the message, but he texted Liz and he got a message back from her the next morning saying that she was fine and not locked in a trunk. So, Wow, there is a lot, a lot to unpack and going on here. Yes. This does rival Goose Green for sure. Sure. Yep. Kind of a little bit of Goose Green, a little bit of uh, Angela Diaz. Whenever Dave had a woman over, he received threats to stalk. He's still hooking up with different people? He's still having different women over? Plenty of fish, Mogab. I mean, okay. plenty of fish. <laughs> yes. I do not have plenty of empathy here <laughs> at all. My man, you can't take a break? I know. Some of them were just friends. Okay, at this point, I'm like, you're kind of asking for it (laughs) a little bit, you know? Well, and whenever he had a woman over, he would receive threats that she was going to stalk or harass her, even if she was just a friend. Carrie also claimed that she'd moved into Dave's apartment complex, and Dave got Carrie to agree to meet up with him. But then she backtracked, so that meeting never happened. Yeah. Yeah, saw that coming. On January 8th, 2013, Dave found Carrie's car. 
Mm-hmm. He'd been on the lookout for it ever since he'd found out that it was missing. He was hoping that Carrie had it because if he found her, he could maybe put a stop to the harassment. But when he found the car, it was covered in snow from a blizzard that had happened weeks before, meaning it hadn't been driven since mid-December. Dave reported the car to the police, and a crime scene tech came out and processed the car, but it had recently been cleaned, and she was only able to find two fingerprints on a mint container in the console, and only one of those was viable. There were no other prints in the entire car, and they didn't find anything else significant except a faint pink stain on the front passenger seat. With the incredible amount of texts and emails to wade through, the police asked Liz and Dave if they could dump their phones, meaning they wanted to take everything that was physically still on the phone, as well as the entire contents of the memory of the phone, which would include files that had been deleted. Oh. Yes. Twice in February of 2013, Liz's car was vandalized. On April Fool's Day, the vandal struck again. All of the incidents were reported to the police. Liz asked Dave to spend more time together, and Dave felt like she'd been so loyal and brave. You know, she continued to show up for him in spite of this stalker. So he felt the least he could do was give her a day a week to spend together. Oh, but he gave her, yeah. He gave her the worst day. She got Wednesday. <laughs> Ew! We know why he chose that day. Mm. The stalker's messages and texts were relentless and came at all hours. Often when Liz was over, they'd both get one when their phones were across the room. I just, like, wouldn't even have a cell phone anymore. Like, give me back to my pager or my prepaid phone. Like, well, and Dave might have just shut his phone off completely if he didn't have kids that might need yeah. him. Reason number 8,472, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know how you feel, sis. <laughs> Nancy and other family members of Carrie's also continued to receive sporadic messages claiming to be from Carrie. In mid-April, Dave called Nancy to tell her that Carrie had called him. Nancy couldn't believe it. It was the best news that she could have hoped for. What? Carrie had told Dave that she was at a homeless shelter in Omaha, and she wanted her mom to come pick her up. Nancy went with the police to the shelter to get Carrie, but she wasn't there. Oh, thank goodness. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. And she'd never been there. The whole thing was a hoax. So then the police went to Dave and questioned him, like, why are you calling this woman's mother and pulling this prank? But he denied ever calling Nancy or knowing anything about Carrie being at a homeless shelter. And when Nancy logged onto Facebook later, she saw a message that had been sent before they'd left for the shelter. It was from Carrie, and it was asking her to come there, and it said that she'd asked Dave to call her. The police had no idea what any of this meant. Yeah, me either. I'm lost. On April 22nd, 2013, police searched Carrie's home. Nothing was found that gave any hint where she might have gone, and it's April. I mean, it took them April. She went missing in November. October. Oh, November. But they did find some possible clues, including a resume with a handwritten note on it, receipts from Hyatt Tire, a day planner, a checkbook log, and a small container of mints. That all seems very boring. Very boring. On May 3rd, the day before my birthday, 2013, Max messaged Carrie's profile on Facebook and he got a message back. It said, hey, little man. His mother had never called him that, and if she had, by now he'd have outgrown it. So Max asked the profile three questions. What's my middle name? What was the name of our first boxer? And who was my best friend when I was growing up? He figured maybe the first question could be Googleable, they could find his middle name, but no way would anybody but his mom know the name of his best friend growing up. How old is he at this point to, like, think to do that? 14. He's 14. Okay. But he got well, no security response. questions. It's like trying yeah, to log exa- in to Yes. Exa- yeah, like, exactly. Uh, I always get nervous. Like, which one are they going to ask me, you know? I know. I always get nervous when I have to fill them out because I'm like, is it going to be case sensitive? What if I forget how to spell Corpus Christi? I'm never going to use that answer again. <laughs> Meanwhile... Dave is still on plenty of fish because he hasn't learned to upgrade to a paid plan yet. 
And he met a woman named Jessica, and almost immediately after becoming friends on Facebook, she began to receive threats from Carrie Farver. At first, Jessica ignored the threats. They were basically just the same four words used over and over and over again in different ways. It was like Carrie's favorite words, whore, ugly, kill, (laughs) fat, just over and over. But then the stalker threatened her children, saying that she was going to kill them and slit their throats. Oh, my God. And then she sent a message to Jessica showing that she knew where she lived. So Jessica reported it to the police and unfriended Dave, saying she couldn't deal with the abuse. The same day the stalker sent Jessica her own address, Dave got an email with a link to an obituary on remembered.com. He clicked on it and he saw Liz's picture pop up with her date of death listed as that day, May 11th, 2013. The obituary read, I didn't know her very well, expect that she was a whore and a man stealer. I think they meant accept, accept that she was a whore and a man stealer. Liz also saw her own obituary and told Dave she was scared to death. Literally. Dave received a message that same day asking how she could find a contract killer to get rid of Liz for them and asking if they should get the killer to also kill Liz's kids. (gasps) (laughs) Does she even have kids? Yeah, she has two. Uh. A little while later, Dave got an email with a picture of Liz's kids inside her home, but the picture was taken from outside through a window. Oh, my God. clear the stalker was escalating. And is Liz. Okay, I'm getting worn out. I'm getting worn out here. I'm going to need some concrete facts. Carrie posted on Facebook a picture of her with her dad shortly before his death. And the caption was very disturbing to everyone who cared about her. It said, I have answered enough questions to prove myself to everyone. I left of my own free will, and I'm sick of everyone giving me a hard time for doing what I needed to do. I love you all very much, but I need time still to sort things out. She messaged Dave and told him she was outside his house. She threatened to break the sliding glass door, but Dave wasn't home. He was out with his kids. The stalker got angry and threw a brick through his bedroom window. But Dave is still out there, still trying to meet girls. Stop. Liz is starting to annoy him again with her jealousy, and he'd break up with her over and over. But then the stalker would do something else terrifying and they'd rush back to each other. Basically, their entire relationship revolved around them both having the same stalker. Yeah, trauma bonding. Exactly. But every time Dave met someone new and tried to date, the women he dated would start receiving those horrible messages. Oh, man, I would not. I'd be so pissed to get wrapped up in that. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Like, quit it, Dave. Yeah, like, quit dating. You're ruining people's lives. (laughs) Yes. Carrie even texted Dave to let him know how easy it was to find out who someone was by running their license plates. God. Also, I would like to know how to run people's license plates. So if anybody could tell me how to do that. I don't want to stalk anybody. I just think it would be fun. (laughs) I feel like there's an app for that. Yeah. This continued all through the summer, and then in August of 2013, the stalker stepped things up. Liz's house was set on fire. (sighs) And though no humans were inside, four pets were. (gasps) I know. All of them died of smoke inhalation. Stop. If I find out this was Liz and she did this to herself, look me in the eye right now. Look me in the eye. (laughs) (sighs) I know. The fire was ruled as arson, and Liz blamed Obviously. It was devastating, but it did have the added benefit of once again bringing Dave back to Liz. They got back together, but Liz wouldn't tell Dave where she was living now. She said she didn't want the stalker to find her. But in actuality, she'd moved in with her ex-boyfriend, Garrett, and she just didn't want Dave to know. More on Garrett later. No. In part two. You better be making me a web. (laughs) Nancy got another text from Carrie. Remember Nancy's Carrie's mother? Yes. But she told her that she was not going to communicate with her over text. She would only do voice calls. The next message said, let me pull over. Like, let me pull over so I can give you a call. And Nancy waited and waited, but eventually realized it was just another sick joke. Carrie wasn't ever going to call her again. 
Now we're in mid-October 2013, coming up on a year since anyone has last seen Carrie. Mm. This time, the stalker hit Hyatt Tire, where Dave worked. They'd spray-painted in bright orange letters across the front of the shop the words, Dave Beats Women. (gasps) Oh my goodness. I know. He cleaned it up really quickly. He was worried that he was going to get fired, and then he reported the incident to the police. In November, Dave got another email from Carrie. This one had a photo of a knife, Carrie's driver's license, and a bill with Carrie's name and address on it. She called Dave her husband and said she'd been creeping around his building with the knife. But Dave found this whole thing incredibly odd. It was like Carrie was offering proof of identity that it was her with the pictures. It's like, this is what you bring to the DMV. You know, you got your driver's license, you got your bill with your name on it. And you got your knife. (laughs) In December, now it's been over a year, and the stalker broke into Dave's place. They'd removed a screen from the window, torn Liz's clothes, and written, go away whore, on the wall. I can't believe no one's moved. Why has no one moved? What is so great about Omaha or Macedonia (laughs) that you're like, you know what? Nebraska slash Iowa, I just cannot relocate from this beautiful... Dave grew up in Sioux Falls, and he'd moved to Council Bluffs after him and Amy broke up because he basically followed her down there. It was where Amy was from, and she wanted to be closer to her parents. So he'd followed her there so that he could, you know, stay close to the kids and gotten this job at the car place. Oh, it was another reason why he really didn't have any friends in the area and why he was (laughs) was on Plenty of Fish all the time. (laughs) Move, bro. Yeah. In January of 2014, Dave's friend Heather came to visit him from Sioux Falls. She was part of a group of childhood friends that had all stayed really close. And while she's staying with him, she notices the texts on his phone are just blowing up. And she asks him about it. And I think this had just become such a part of his daily norm that he's just getting these texts over and over and over again that he barely even notices it. But he tells her about Carrie and how she won't leave him alone and she's stalking him and the cops haven't been able to do anything about it. He was pretty nonchalant about it, you know, it just kind of was his new normal at this point. But it was so not normal to Heather. As Dave is telling her not to worry, a brick is thrown through the bathroom window and Heather is really scared. So Dave ends up telling Heather the whole story of the stalker. Maybe he should have done that before she came out there to visit. I feel like that is need-to-know information if someone is coming to visit. I totally – yeah, when she's going to stay with you, hello. Like, she's a girl. I guess it's because this stalker had, like, been talking a big game for so long and had never actually done anything, you know. I mean, it's breaking in and writing stuff on the walls and vandalizing your place of business and cars. I mean, I feel like that's – Yeah, no, you're right. He definitely should have. I mean, he definitely (laughs) obviously should have told her. So Dave ends up telling Heather the whole story of the stalker and how she was also stalking Liz. He explained that he and Liz had an open relationship, except on Wednesdays. (laughs) Heather is like, (laughs) hello, Dave. Your stalker is Wednesday, girl. Yeah, hello. But Dave is like, no, it can't be. That one time we (sighs) both got messages and her phone was across the room, you know? And he just shrugged off the suggestion but i'm like dave did you really not entertain that thought this entire time had that never had that really never occurred to you can't no way i mean i do want explanation on the text i'm sure i'll get that yes you will you will get it you will get it next time on part Uh. two because that is the end of part one (gasps) stop it (laughs) for real for real that is part one Part two will drop at the same time next Thursday, but if you just can't wait for it, it is up on the Patreon right now. So sign up at any level and you can listen to it in your favorite listening app, except not you. You can't listen to it right now because you're going to have to wait. That's what you did the last time. So sign up at any level and you can listen to it in your favorite listening app. And also our very first bonus episode will be dropping soon. The bonus episode is also available at every level of our Patreon, as is a shout out. So you can be famous adjacent with us. Famous adjacent. (laughs) Okay, so let's do these shout outs. I love this part. I know. It's been so fun. Thank you so much, Kelly. Carol. Deanna V. 
Oh, Gumpy. <laughs> Jody Hall. Lynette Perel, thank you so much. Major shouts, Mariana Klein from Brazil. Nosy with the light on Jamie. This is the one uh, that came up with Nosy with the light on. Uh, major yeah. shouts to you, Nosy with the light mm-hmm. on Jamie. Love that. Mm-hmm. Major shouts to my sister, Sims Burns. Major shouts to Rachel Vale. And major, major shouts to Rachel Vale's pronunciation because that's perfect for Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, major shouts, Sabrina Eads. That's our research assistant. Also very like appropriate that this is the episode where she gets her shout out because she basically wrote it. So thank you, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing Kristen's job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my turn. Thank you, Taylor yeah. Adkins. And Kelly J. Thank you, Molly Minnick. Major shouts, Crystal Hall. And Felicia Sarai. Major shouts, Sophia. Thank you so much. There's oh, your wait. shout outs. Let's do one more. <gasps> okay. Major shouts, Lynn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just want to squeeze one more in because I can. Because I'm, oh, okay. I'm 50% of this podcast, so I can call the shouts too. <laughs> Thank you, Lynn. There's your shout out. If you did not hear your name and you have submitted for a shout out, we are working our way through this list. So we will get to you. If you have signed up for the Patreon, and you have not signed up for the shout out, you got to go on there. You got to get onto Patreon. You got to submit a form, mostly so that we can make sure that we are shouting out the name that you would like. I know not everybody wants their last name, you know, blasted out there. And, um, you know, get creative with it too. I mean, we're having a great time. <laughs> yeah. Creative but appropriate. Some of you hooligans, I'm going to have to reach out to because I'm just not saying this. Yeah. Don't make us say things that, We'll get us canceled. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that here. Hey, peeps and creeps. Thanks so much for listening to part one of this episode. Don't forget that you can get part two instantly on our Patreon if you sign up. And follow us on social media. Join our Facebook discussion group. We are everywhere at Creepers Pod. And you can email us any case suggestions, charity or foundation suggestions, or any feedback at creeperspod at gmail.com. And please, if you liked it, tell your friends. Spread the word. Thank you so much to everybody that has already told me that they've told their friends and they listen to it together, some of you. That's been awesome to hear. And a huge thanks to everyone who has left us a review on Apple Podcasts. They help us out in a huge way. So if you liked this episode and you have an iPhone, we'd love it if you would take a minute, give us a five-star rating and a review. And be sure to subscribe to True Crime Creepers so you'll have our next episode as soon as it drops when I'll tell Mogab another wild story. Or actually, I'll tell her the second part of this wild story. Yeah, This is the wildest story, so. (laughs) Bye, peeps and creeps. (laughs) 